Hello, I'm Ron Harrigan, and this is a Fulcrum Strategies Healthcare Update. To open or not to open? That is the question. One month ago, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, became the first governor to issue a statewide shelter-in-place order. At the time of the order, California had 900 positive cases of COVID-19 and 19 fatalities. Now, some thought that the governor jumped the gun in shutting down the state's economy. Others applauded him as an educated and forward-thinking individual. Over the next days and weeks, other state governors followed suit. One month after the shutdown in California, they now have 27,000 reported cases and unfortunately 890 fatalities. While that number seems like a great deal, it's actually a picture of success. California has the highest population of any state in the country. In spite of that, they're number seven as far as the number of reported fatalities. If California had the same per capita fatality rate as let's say the state of New York, they would have over 28,000 fatalities right now. So you could make the argument that California's early actions saved over 20,000 lives. Now the side effect of all these shelter in place orders are an incredible increase in unemployment and the resulting damage that it's doing to the U.S. economy. In the last four weeks, we have lost over 22 million jobs. That's the total job growth in this country for the last 12 years. So it begs the question, how much longer can we shut down the economy and still be able to survive the lasting economic damage that it will cause? This dilemma creates a question of what is worse or what will kill us first? the virus, or a destroyed economy. Now recently, I've listened to people take very extreme positions on both sides of this issue. On one side are the people who think that the economy should open right away. They believe that this shelter-in-place order is an act of tyranny and that it impedes on their God-given constitutional rights for freedom of movement. On the other side are some public health experts who say that the only course of action is to completely shut down the economy until August, September, or even later. I watched one such individual suggest that the government should just print about $10 trillion and pay everybody to stay home for several months. This raises the question, which side's right? Well, the simple answer is they're both wrong. What's worse is the more extreme people on either side get, the more their position becomes more idiotic and not helpful. At this point, I'm sure that some of you reading or listening to this just got angry because you think I called you an idiot. I did not. I said your position was idiotic. Personally, I don't know you well enough to decide if you're an idiot or not. Let me explain. The crowd that thinks that shelter-in-place orders should be lifted right away and that these orders are a violation of their constitutional rights, well, they often make statements that this is no different from the flu, so why are we shut down? Some of them even believe that the virus was man-made or it's some kind of dark political conspiracy. Okay, let's deal with these arguments. First of all, the constitutional argument is ridiculous. Nowhere in the Constitution does it give a person the right to put others in danger, which is exactly what violating these shelter-in-place orders does. Your rights do not extend to the point of putting someone else at risk or in danger. So let's stop being silly with all this nonsense. The other argument that this is no worse than the seasonal flu is also nonsense. COVID-19 is significantly more contagious and deadly than the seasonal flu. There is simply no comparison. What is abundantly clear 
is that there is a direct correlation between testing and mitigation efforts like social distancing and shelter in place and a significant reduction in cases and fatalities. Just look at California. Because of this correlation, we know that ending these mitigations too early and without a vaccine will result in a significant outbreak with a large number of fatalities. Facts are facts, people. I don't see anywhere in the Constitution where it points out that my rights supersede someone else's right to live. As for the theories that this is man-made and somehow politically motivated, well, I'm not even going to justify those with a response. I'm just going to move on. Now, for the other extreme, the public health academics who take the position that we have only one course of action, and that's to close the economy for several months because every single life is precious. Well, those folks are equally wrong. The idea that our government could just print trillions upon trillions of dollars and pay everybody to stay at home for an extended period of time, well, that's about as realistic as me thinking that the Red Wings are going to call me and offer me an NHL contract to be their goalie. For those of you that don't know me, I'm a lousy goalie, and I'm 55 years old, so I don't think that's happening. If we shut down our economy for an extended period of time, as these people are suggesting, it would do lasting damage, and that damage would probably be worse than the virus. Now, in response to their suggestion that we can just print money to solve this economic problem, I would ask them to research post-World War I Germany. You see, after World War I, Germany was forced to make reparations for the war. These reparations caused them so much national debt that their economy went into a period of hyperinflation and their currency was seriously devalued. In 1919, it took 48 German marks to buy one U.S. dollar. By 1923, that exchange rate was 4.2 trillion marks to the dollar. No, I did not misspeak. The exchange rate went from 48 to 1 to 4.2 trillion to 1. In 1922, it cost 120 German marks to buy a loaf of bread in Germany. One year later, that same loaf of bread cost 200 billion marks. That's billion with a B. My point here is, if we shut down our economy for six months or more and just print money to pay for it, we could experience similar kinds of hyperinflation. Getting a government check doesn't help very much if it won't buy a loaf of bread. So what should we do? Well, like all things, the truth is in the middle. The key will be to thread the needle and balance the risk of further outbreak with that of lasting economic damage. This is not going to be easy because it's a balance between two really bad choices. From my perspective, we need to intelligently open up the economy in stages and with this balance in mind. We need to also ramp up testing to help make these decisions. An example of this, I don't see any value in sending our kids back to school until next fall at the earliest. Schools are not our economy, and they are a perfect breeding ground for transmission. I also don't see any need for sporting events and concerts with live audiences. Those things should be done for TV only right now. On the other hand, we should start looking at allowing some small businesses to open with sensible restrictions and in some geographic areas. A restaurant, for example, in a rural area with very little outbreak could open at 50% capacity. This would allow for an open table between each occupied table and therefore some social distancing. 
Wait staff could wear masks and gloves. Now, that may not be great ambiance, but it's relatively safe. A small shop in the same area could open with a limited number of customers at one time so they could social distance in the store. Now, it may be some time before these types of businesses could open up in New York City, but in other parts of the country, it may be okay. Options like these and many others should be pursued and evaluated as a way to balance the need to be clinically safe and the need for people to work and earn money. As I said, it won't be easy. The key to all of this is for smart, reasonable people to make the best decisions they can in a fact-based, balanced approach. They should know that it won't be perfect and accept that we are balancing between two lousy situations. What doesn't help are idiotic statements being made by both extremes. Those people need to permanently social distance themselves, and we need to figure out a way to turn off their internet. Thank you, and as always, be safe and be well.